Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Psalms chapter 119. Uh, This is an an incredible, a powerful uh, chapter. We're going to talk about uh, some truth out of this chapter for the next, uh, for this weekend and the next two weekends as well. Um, But we're going to start with uh, verse 97 and verse 127. So uh, Psalms 119, we'll start with verse 97. The reason why we'll, we'll start with verse 97, I think this one verse, well, these two verses here, kind of sums up uh, the whole look at uh, what Psalms 119 kind of has to say. So verse 97, verse 127. Verse 97, David says this. He says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Verse 127 says, because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold. This this verse kind of sums up Psalms 119. I love that David says, oh, he just kind of stops in the middle. It's kind of right in the middle of it. And he says, oh, how I love your law. So here's my question to everybody that's in this service, everybody at every one of our campuses. If you're joining us on the screen somewhere, this question is for you as well. But is there anybody in the house, anybody anywhere who would say, I love the Bible? Come on, anybody say they love the Bible? Amen. I knew I was in the right place. That's the title of my message today under this uh, series called Psalms 119. Today's message is entitled, I Heart the Bible. I Heart the Bible. Let's pray. And what we're going to do is pray that our love for God's Word would just increase. That we'll just reevaluate our love for the Word of God and it will just grow in our life as a result of our time together today. That we'll all walk out of here more in love with the Word of God. And if you believe that, pray that with me. Say amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your Word. Thank you for everything that it means to us. And uh, we do want to love you, God, and we do want to love your Word. And so speak to us today Challenge us, God, from your word to uh, engage in your word in a new and in a fresh way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody from all the campuses said, amen, amen. Well, I had a uh, professor in Bible college I want to tell you about. Um, It came to the end of the semester. And uh, during that semester, we had been given early in that semester, maybe probably the first class or two, we'd been given reading assignments. So we had to read like, these four books or something, right, by the end of the semester, whatever it was. We get to the end of the semester, towards the end, few, few classes left, and the professor passes out uh, some note cards to everybody, and this professor says, I want you to write down your name, and I want, to write, want you to write the sentence, if you did this, if you did your reading assignment, I want you to write down, I completed the reading assignment required for this class, and then sign your name. And uh, it was like honor system. So... This outside reading you weren't gonna be tested on, you were going to be given credit though for saying that you did it. So everybody got their cards, filled it out, turned it in. Uh, The next class comes, probably two days later, and uh, class begins, everybody's kind of happy, bustling about towards the end of the year. She starts out in a very, very somber mood. She says, class, I've been praying 
and, uh, and God spoke to me that some of you lied on your, on your, uh, your cards about the reading assignment. And she goes, and I know who, God spoke to me the individual names as to who it was. And she said, so I'm going to give you a chance, and you can come and confess, and if you come and confess, you'll still get a zero, but you won't uh, have, I won't turn you in for discipline as far as the, the school is concerned. But if you don't come and confess, then I'm going to turn you in uh, to the dean for discipline as far as the school. You'll be disciplined on a, on a larger scale. So, um, so, you know, I just want you all to know that, and I'll give you uh, by the end of the day today to, uh, to contact me and whatever. And so we are all sitting in that class. I mean, I'm just like, Lord, you know my heart. I'm like, Lord, now, I, I read them. Now, I might have skimmed a page or two. I don't remember, Lord. Is this what she's talking about? Because I remember there was that one page I started thinking about other things as I was reading it. I don't know if I read every word on there. Like, I'm really, like, having a, just a real wrestling with the Lord moment. I said, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. And so I, I didn't turn myself in. Um, and so... The next class period comes, uh, and she says, I want everybody to know that there were, I forget how many, there was like five, the, the five of you that had, had uh, lied about that. I'm not going to say who it was, but you, you guys made contact with me, and so I just want you to know that uh, everything is fine now, and, and you know, we're going to move forward, or, or whatever. And so one of the things I was thinking as I'm sitting there, I'm like, only at, only at Bible college do we have professors that God tattles on us, you know, like... I don't think this is happening at UCF, you know, where like you, your teacher's coming, hey, God told me what you did. Like that's not, only at Bible college did we have to deal with that. And so the reason why I tell that story is because at the end of this message, I'm going to give everybody a reading assignment. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not just going to give the reading assignment, but I'm going to ask the Lord who doesn't do it. And next Sunday, I will be calling out names of those of you that did not complete your reading assignment. I'm just kidding. I won't, I won't even pray it. And I won't call out the names because I know some of you would just stay home from church. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I'm not showing up. I can't handle that kind of embarrassment. Uh, no, we are going to give a reading assignment at the end. The reason why is because we love the Word of God. And Psalms 119, I said it was a, a special chapter in the Word of God. It's the longest chapter in the Psalms. It's also the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, it is uh, twice as long as the next longest psalm. And Psalms, it comes in a, in a book uh, called Psalms, which is one of the poetic books of the Bible. Uh, 119 is kind of the um, epitome of, of the poetic uh, nature of the book of Psalms. Uh, here's how it works. King David writes this psalm this way, um, kind of throughout what, what most scholars think is kind of throughout his, most of his life, He's kind of just jotting down thoughts as he's just overwhelmed with the presence and the goodness of God, as he just begins to think about how truthful and how powerful God's word is, he'll just write some thoughts down. And so it's almost like he kept a little side book and he would just jot down thoughts. And so then he gets towards the end of his life, scholars believe, and maybe he's wanting to put something together for his son Solomon, who goes on to become king. And as he's king, he's thought of as the wisest man on the earth could have had something to do with the fact that dad was passing Psalms 119 down to him. And so David gets towards the end of his life and he starts to gather all of these little sayings and he starts to put them down. And so Psalms 119 is not necessarily a, a fluid one thought, it's, it's a collection of a lot of thoughts. 
And David's kind of weaving them together and adding them down. And so he kind of puts down all these thoughts, maybe adds some new ones, and that becomes Psalms 119. It's a bit of a uh, literary masterpiece and a poetic masterpiece also in this, that it has 22 stanzas in it. Each stanza has eight lines, and each of the eight lines would begin with um, the same letter. And so it starts with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then there's 22 letters, and it goes to the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and in each stanza, eight line, each line starts with the, the A, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The next stanza, all eight lines would start with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's, a, uh, it's like an alphabetic acrostic type um, piece of, of literature. And so um, this psalm is this amazing collection, this, this long collection of, of thoughts. And as we said, um, we read verse 97 where he just, I love your law, and that kind of encompasses it. And that, that's kind of where I want to start with this. The first big thought that we would want to bring out of this series of Psalms 119 would be this, that, um, that we would have a love for the Word of God. My, I'm, my prayer is that at the end of our time together in this service that we would just love the Word of God more. We don't love the Word out of obligation. It's not, our relationship with the Word of God is not obligation. And if you see it that way, change your mindset. It's not obligation, it's adoration, okay? I am not going to guilt anyone into reading the Bible. That's not what this is about. This isn't about guilt. This is about get. You get to hear from God. You know that the primary way that God is going to speak to you is through His Word. Yes, and so this is not a guilt thing. This is a, a get thing that you get to open up this powerful, alive, breathing word of God and take that into your life and it does something inside of you. It brings things to life inside of you. And so this is not going to be a guilt thing. We don't read it because we have to. We read and we study and we, uh, we do it because we love the word of God. One more time, does anybody love the word of God? Amen, amen. Well, I want to bring out a few things that we, that we really love about the Word of God. And uh, we'll pull them again out of Psalms 119. We're going to look at verses 159 through 165. I told you it was a long chapter. We're talking verse number 159 through 165. Let's look at what these uh, 159 and, and 160 say. Look at what David says here. He says, See how I love your precepts? Preserve my life, Lord, in accordance with your love. All your words are true, and all your righteous laws are eternal. We love, I like what David's talking about here, we love the permanence of God's word. That's what David says. He says, all your righteous laws are eternal. So David's saying, I love that this thing is here to stay. Let me tell you, the word of God, there may be a lot of things that come and go, but the word of God is not going anywhere. The word of God is here to stay. I love the permanence of the word of God. Let me tell you a little bit about the Bible and kind of how it is formed, and it's, um, and it's um, the amazing how it's formed and, and what it means still to us today. The Bible was written over a span of 1,600 years by around 40 uh, different authors. They don't know the exact number. But around 40 authors, those authors would include poets and prophets and farmers and kings and soldiers, shepherds, princes, uh, historians, priests, fishermen, doctors, tax collectors, scholars. And so this group of, of authors, and they, they, they write 
this holy Bible in three different languages. It's written in 12 different countries and three different continents, written in caves and palaces and prisons and deserts. And so here you've got all this incredible diversity putting together this holy book, which is what Bible means. It's just book. It's a, it's a holy book, and it's all of these different authors from all these different backgrounds written in all these different places over a period of 1,600 years. Yet in all of that diversity, there's this amazing symmetry. How do you get this level of symmetry out of this book, out of all of this diversity? I'll tell you how. Because this book actually has one author. And his name is God. Okay? God spoke through man, inspired man to write this book from his heart to us. That is how the Bible has had this, this lasting effect. How do you get that kind of, 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 of symmetry? Listen, every single, from the start to the finish, every single word, every single verse, every single book, every single chapter, it's pointing to one person, to one personality, to, 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 uh, to, to, one, uh, to one thing, and it's Jesus Christ. From the old to the new, this book is revealing Jesus Christ to us. How has this Bible withstood the test of time? There's some things you may know about the Bible and some things you may not. Did you know it's the, it's the best-selling book of all time, history? Uh, it is by far, it dwarfs any other uh, next, next comparison. The, the highest-selling book of all time. The Bible is also the most shoplifted book of all time. Did you know that? Amen. I say, go ahead. Thieves, if you're going to steal something, I mean, steal the word of God and then read it, right? Start with those commandments. That'll be good. Those 10 commandments. There's some stuff in there for you. But no, isn't that awesome? It's the most, it's the most shoplifted book of all time. The Bible is also the most translated book of all time. How has the Bible stood the test of time? It's the most disputed, divided uh, despised, denied, dissected, debated, and destroyed book in history, and yet it still stands. Yet millions of us are saying, no, this is how I live my life. It's like what Peter said when he said, the grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Yes, I love that the word of God is permanent, that it is, is here to stay. I love the permanence of the word of God. I also love, and David talks about it, we love David, me, you. We love the promise of God's word. That's what he goes on to say in verses 161 and 162. Look at what David says here. He says, rulers persecute me without cause, but my heart trembles at your word. I rejoice in your promise like one who finds great spoil. I rejoice in your promise. We love the promise of the word of God. Now, like when David says, rulers persecute me without fail. David had some really serious, powerful, political uh, persecution. He had some people that mistreated him. He didn't have it coming, and, and this, this persecution would come his way. And this is what David said. Even though these very powerful people are persecuting me, that's not what moved me. 
He said, even though I had some rough times I've went through, that's not really what caused me to tremble. He said, you know what caused me to tremble? It's the word of God. You know what moved me emotionally? It was the word of God. Not all the hard times I went through. No, I'll tell you what got to my soul, what got to my heart. It was the word of God. And then David says that I rejoice in your promise. He says this, like one who finds great spoil. That phrase is important. He says, I'm, I'm rejoicing in your promise. And he goes, like, like someone who finds great spoil. Let me tell you what he's referencing. He's referencing a military conquest. He's referencing victory. He's like, I rejoice at the promise of God because I know it brings victory to my life. I rejoice at the promise of God because when I am attacked, it's the promises of God that gets me through the attack. I'm talking to somebody in this place, but not just victory. He says, no, it's, it's like one who gets great spoils. You know what spoils are? Spoils are beyond the victory. Spoils are I'm more than a conqueror. Spoils are I got the victory, but I also got some stuff added to it. So when a military conquest would happen, yes, they would have victory, but they would also then take the land, and they would take whatever was in the land, and they would take whatever money. Would, these were the spoils. Listen to me. God wants to spoil you. And even when you go through a tough season, if you can get your eyes on the promises of God, here's what will happen. You'll go through the battle, and you'll be blessed on the other side of it. You'll actually be glad you went through the battle because of the spoil that comes your way. That is... For those who love the word of God. That is for those who take those promises and make them a part of their life. Do you know for every problem you have, there is a promise in the word. I promise you that. For every problem that you're going to face, there is a promise in the word of God. Some of you in this place go, I just don't even know what to do. Like you're facing, you're facing so many forks in the road and you go, I don't know what to do. There's a promise for that. James chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Some of you go, well, I'm away from God. I don't know what to do. There's a promise for that when you're away from God. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Somebody needs to claim that promise today. Somebody goes, well, I'm in need. I've been in need for a week. I've been in need for a month. I feel like I've been in need most of this year. There's promises for that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, mm, at all times, having all you need. There's a promise for somebody in this place that's in need. You'll abound in every good work. I like what Psalms 34.10 says. The lions, sometimes they grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. If I'm in need, I'm going to go to the book and get those promises a part of my life. Some of you go, man, I'm, I'm just anxious and I'm fearful. There's promises for that. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Look at the order here of this promise that once I submit this stuff to God, that's when I gain access to the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. There's a promise when you're anxious. There's a promise when you're tempted. You go, man, I'm just going through a season right now, and I'm, I'm weak in my faith. 
1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you. Take this promise, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. And with temptation, he'll also make a way of escape. When I'm sad, when I'm grieving, when I feel like I, I don't even know if I can face tomorrow because of the, the sadness and I'm, I'm so brokenhearted, there's a promise for you in his word. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, Psalms 147. If you're sad and brokenhearted, then claim that promise over your life. When I'm fearful, there's a promise, 2 Timothy chapter 1, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. When I'm sick, and if you're sick here in this place today, as Rebecca talked about, just claiming the promises of the word of God. Psalms 41, 3, the Lord sustains him on his sickbed and in his illness you restore him to full health. If somebody needs health in this place, come on, believe that promise and be restored to full health. God's still doing it. I have found this as we love the word of God, as we love the promises in the word of God, I have found this to be true for my life. The, the promises are most powerful when they are made the most personal. When you decide, I am going to reignite my love for his word, the promises of God will ignite in your life. We love the permanence of God's word. We love the promise of God's word. And we love the purity of God's word. That's what David... In, this is still in Psalms 119. He goes on to say in 163, verse 163 through 165. Look what he says. He says, I hate and detest falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Look at the stability of somebody's life who decides I love your word, God. I, I, hate, I hate the lies, I hate the deception, but I love your word and it seems to create this stability in his life. He also says it in verse 113, he says it this way, I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. So in this couple of verses here, David talks about love and David talks about hate. Those are the two, I mean, the most powerful affections we have, love and hate. The most powerful feelings we have, love and hate. And if we have love and hate in the right place, all the other affections of our hearts seem to line up. I'll say it this way. If you hate what you're supposed to hate, you go, I thought we weren't supposed to hate anybody. Not people, okay? I'm not talking about your spouse or some of this. There are some things, though, that we are to hate. There are some things that God says he hates. When you hate the things you're supposed to hate and you love the things you're supposed to love, those affections all seem to land right into place. What does David say? David says, I hate I hate lying. I hate falsehood. What's he, what's he talking about in this, in this concept of hating falsehood? Well, I think hypocrisy would be land there as, as part of that falsehood, part of lying. False doctrine, it's got the word false right there, right there in it. False doctrine, a, a breach of faith, that's, that's, that would be a falsehood. Lying, maybe in conversation or in commerce. I mean, no good person would want to be lied to. So these are all landing in this, in this concept of, 
of, I, I, I hate the, the, the falsehood. How does David get to the place where he says that? I, I, I hate falsehood. I hate deception. How do you get there? I'll tell you how. When you consume the truth, the more you consume the truth, the more you'll contradict the lies. And church, can I say this? In a society that we live in where deception and, and falsehoods have become the over, I mean, the prevailing line of communication, you, you have a hard time finding truth. You can flip through every channel you want to flip through. You can have a hard time finding truth, which is what makes it so special when men and women of God say, I am going to love the word of God. I'm going to love the purity of the word of God. I'm going to love truth, and I'm going to digest truth. I'm going to get truth, because if you'll start to get truth into your life, what will happen is you will stand out. You will shine bright amongst a generation that doesn't, they don't find truth anywhere, but if they find it in you, Man, the influence that you will have. The more we consume the truth of God's word, the more we contradict a lie. Across the street, there's a Walmart, and I got a little convenience store kind of off to the side. I go there um, fairly often. And uh, when I go there, I usually get a, a, a Diet Coke. And um, I, maybe, maybe once a day or something, I'll pop in there and, and get a Diet Coke. And uh, I get it from the fountain dispenser. And for maybe for about a month, uh, it, there's been something unusual happening. And maybe me sharing it today in this message, maybe, it'll, maybe word will get spread and it'll get fixed. We'll see. <laughs> but for a couple of days, a few weeks ago, I would hit the Diet Coke button and it would just clear liquid would come out. So the tank was empty and that happens sometimes. And so I switched to Coke Zero. Um, then a couple of days later, I, I was in there and I, I hit the button and it was, it was brown liquid. I was like, oh, they got the Diet Coke fixed. And I filled up my cup and then I took a drink and it wasn't Diet Coke, it was Diet Dr. Pepper. And uh, I, I don't like that as much. And so I poured it out and went back to Coke Zero. And uh, for about the last three weeks, Dr., Diet Dr. Pepper has been coming out when you press Diet Coke. And... Uh, uh, it's just been that way. I haven't said anything to anybody because I'm not much of a complainer. So I'll just, I just go with it. Amen. Now, how many think this? That when I'm pressing that Diet Coke logo, am I out of line to expect that Diet Coke would come out of that fountain? I mean, they got the, it's the picture, it's the word, it's the logo, it's the colors, it's all. And I think if I hit that button, I should expect that Diet Coke would come out. That's what, that's what should, I mean, that's what should happen there. Let me ask you this. Now, when you're going through something and you are pressed, what comes out of your life? Is it out of line for people when you are pressed? Is it out of line for people to expect that the right things would come out of your life? What comes out of your life when you're pressed? I'll tell you, if you don't have the word of God in you, if you're not a, if you're not a person who loves the word of God, let me tell you what will come out. Matter of fact, I don't have to tell you what will come out because you've been pressed and it has come out, right? The, the cussing has come out, the complaining has come out, the anger has come out, the slander has come out, the lying, the deception, the backbiting. That's what comes out. Listen, what we, what we should have coming out of our life when we are pressed is the same thing that David had coming out of his life. Matter of fact, David said, I got these kings, I got these rulers coming against me. But David said, seven times a day, I praise you. Seven times a day, I'm just focused on how good you are. That's what should come out of your life. When we're pressed, when we go through something, 
Those of us that love the word, those of us who love it enough to act upon it, who get it inside of us when we're pressed. You can look at anybody you know in your life and you say, look, this is what's gonna come out of me. Truth, love for you, love for God. That's what's coming out of those that love the word of God. I suppose most all of the relationship problems that we have, probably in our families, relationship breaches with our kids, uh, relationship fractures with our coworkers, maybe with uh, people that attend the same church as us, certainly within our marriage. I think a lot of it, it, it comes down to probably one word. Mo most of our relationship problems would at least include this as part of the problem. It's this word. It's the word neglect. Neglect. Can you imagine if every day at my house, in the car, every minute I'm with my wife, that I had my AirPods in and I had music blasting in my ear all hours of the day. And my wife would try to tell me something. And can you imagine if every single time she tried to tell me something, I'd just be like, I like this song. Wait till the song's over. Hold on. And then that song gets over and she starts, no, hold on. This is my favorite song. Hold on. Just wait. And I did that for like a day. Can you imagine me doing that for a week? Can you imagine me doing that for a month to be like, no, because your wife would not put up with it. That is true. I'll tell you what would happen. If I put my finger up like this, I wouldn't put my finger up like that anymore. You'd see a cast right there on that finger. But can you imagine... That kind of neglect to just say, I, I don't care what you have to say. I'm not listening. I mean, maybe I could get by with that for a day, but I'm not going to get by with it for very long. I'm not going to get by neglecting what she has to say to me. It's not, our relationship's not going to work that way. And listen, it's not that I have to listen to her. No, because I love her, I want to listen to her. Again, this is not guilt. This is not condemnation. This is not obligation. This is adoration. We should love what the Word of God has to say to us. So let me leave you with Psalms 119 verse 16. This is kind of our, our closing thought. This is my challenge to you. David says, I delight in your decrees, and this is it. I will not neglect your word. I will not neglect your word. Some of you need to add a word to that. Say this, I will not neglect your word anymore. Let that be the promise. Let that be the prayer of your heart today. God, I may have to neglect some other things. I may have to turn some other things off, but God, I will not neglect your word anymore. Why? Because I have to? Because God, I don't want you to be mad at me? No, because I love you and I love your word. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I love that your word's permanent. That it's here to stay. Lord, I love the promises of your word. And I love the purity of your word. And I will not neglect it. With, with eyes closed just so that we can kind of look inside, 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because you know exactly who you are, but there are some you've neglected the word of God. You've neglected, let me say it this way, you've neglected what God has been trying to speak to you. And you have noticed that neglecting the word of God has created a separation between you and God. So you sit here today and you're, you're not in right relation with God. Maybe you've never been in relation with God because, and you've never, you've never tried to apply the word of God to your life. But today would be a day that you would decide to love not only God, but love his word. And what that looks like is making him, yes, your savior, but also your Lord. And we'll get into more of that next week. But if you're here today and you say, I've neglected the word of God in my life and I need to get right with God today. If that's you, you know who you are. Nobody's looking around. But if you would do something just as an act of faith, to say, I've, I've neglected the word of God, but I don't want to do that anymore. And, and I want to, I'm going to be made right with God today. I want to believe on Jesus today, fresh and new. If that's you, here's what I want you to do. Just slip up your hand right now and I'll see it. Nobody else is looking around. I need to get right with God. Yes, 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 yes. Any, yes, thank you. Yes, I think I see, see hands in every section. There at the at campuses, if that's you, I need to get right with God. Lift up your hand. Thank you. All the way at the top. Anybody? Thank you. Hands are up in every section. Let's do this. Would you stand your feet across all of our campuses? Our campus pastors are going to take it there at the campuses. But here and in the atrium, please stand to your feet. I'm going to, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an assignment this week, a reading assignment. But before we do, I want us to pray. I want to pray for each and every one of you who said, I need to just make the word of God the foundation of my life again. And uh, man, there's, there's no better day to make that decision than right now. There's no better place to make it than right here where you are because we, you are amidst, you're amongst family who believe in you and who are gonna celebrate with you when you make this decision. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing that song that we sang just a moment ago, just talking about rejoicing in who God is. If you lifted your hands saying, I need to get right with God today, as we begin to sing, I wanna ask you to step out from where you are Meet me at this front. It's not too far to come to see the Word of God bring something to life inside of you. Are you ready? Come on, as we sing, step out and come right now. You lifted your hand. Step out and come. Meet me at this front. From the very top. Church, can we give them just a round of applause as they come? Thank you, Lord. Come on. It's worth it. It's worth it. Making Jesus. You're everything. He is Taking the promise of the word of God rejoice, and applying it to your life. Come on. He's good. Go sing it one more time. Well, wait. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you wish you had. Come on, meet me at this front today. Continue to come. Our prayer team is coming as well. Prayer team, come quickly, and we're going to pray for each and every one of you. Matter of fact, we need yeah, just all the help we can get today. And as we get ready to pray for them, Pastor Jesse is going to come and pray a closing prayer and pray for each of these. But as we do that, let me just give you some some steps to take as a result of uh, what God has spoken to us today. All right. This week, I want you to read Psalms 119. As I said, we're going to be in this chapter for the next two weeks, next two Sundays. So 
just plan on reading Psalms 119. Maybe not in one setting. Maybe it's, uh, you know, what would it be 40 or 50 verses a day or something like that, whatever it would be. But read Psalms 119 this week. Matter of fact, and if you don't, I'm gonna be praying for who didn't and call you out by name. No, I'm not, just kidding. Read Psalms 119 this week. Also, just read every day. Just don't miss a day this week. We just go seven days in a row where we're just gonna read something from the Word of God. Maybe it's maybe some other stuff besides Psalms 119, but just try for a week to not miss a day. And the third thing I would ask you to do is this. When you are reading the Word of God, ask God to speak to you. Say, God, what are you saying about my life in this? And I promise God will speak to you as you begin to love his word. Let's act like people that love the word of God. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.